With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, you guys? I'm Haley. And I'm Andrea. And this is Inhuman, a true crime podcast. Alright, so happy November. I hope everybody had a wonderful Halloween and enjoyed our last super spooky haunted bonus episode. (laughs) It was so good. I can't believe it's November. That's so crazy. I know. I feel like this year has, yeah, yeah. Flown. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm glad because it's been a rough year, I think, for a lot of people, so. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, before we get into the episode, I want to apologize again if my voice is raspy. Um, I went to a Jonas Brothers concert a couple days ago and screamed a lot, and my voice is still just a little bit. I don't know if anybody can actually tell, but I can tell. So, just in case. I'm not sick. I just screamed a lot. <laughs> I feel like my voice is kind of raspy, too, but I think it's the weather change. So, it's yeah. like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> And then one other thing I just wanted to share about, Andrea, on our bonus episode on Saturday, shared about Daniel Robinson and how they are still searching for him. And, you know, if you are in the Phoenix area, you can go and help with the searches. I also wanted to just, like, with that, you reminded me, Andrea, that we did that episode on, like, a couple missing people. And so I just wanted to give like a little bit of an update since that episode in case you haven't seen, in case you don't follow us on Instagram and stuff, we share updates there. But uh, two of the people we shared about in that episode have been found um, not alive, unfortunately, and they both Mm -hmm. still need justice, especially Jelani Day. He was, uh, he was actually found shortly after he disappeared, but he wasn't identified for three weeks and Mm -hmm. his cause of death has now been uh confirmed as drowning but the manner of death isn't confirmed yet and his family does not believe that he took his own life and there's just not a lot of attention going to the case and it doesn't feel like the investigators are like really trying to figure out what happened so you know we just have to keep sharing his name his story get put the pressure on police because that's i think what helps bring attention or that's, Absolutely. that attention helps helps push them to, like, actually go research. Yeah, because they don't want to displease the media for whatever exactly. reason. So keep yeah. putting the heat on them. Keep tagging them and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's Jelani Day. And then Lauren Cho, her remains were found. Um, they don't know anything cause of death, mm-hmm. man or death at all yet. So that one is still unknown. You know, we don't know if she left on her own willingly if something uh, if foul play was related, if it was like an accidental death. So we'll definitely update you guys, but just keep her family and friends in your thoughts. You know, I'm glad that they both were found. So at least their families can have some sort of closure. 
Yeah. So I wanted to update on that. And then also just that Daniel and Summer Wells, who we also covered in that episode, are still missing. So, you know, the more we keep talking about them, the more likely police will take the investigations more seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So that is just that. Do you have anything else you want to talk about, Andrea? Um, I don't think so. I was just trying to get my blanket out from underneath my chair. (laughs) Sorry. All right. So we will just dive right into this case. I think it's going to be a pretty short one because unfortunately there is not a ton of information out there and this is a unsolved case. So And I know nothing about it, so I'm right. very curious and interested to hear. I didn't know anything about it before I did research either. So this was suggested by a listener. So shout out to Angie for bringing this case to our attention. Today we are covering the murder of a Canadian woman. Woman Rachel Russell. So Angie told me that the town that Rachel is from, which is Cobourg in Ontario, Canada, is very small and it's only the second or third murder to ever happen there. So Oh my word. Yeah. It's yeah. Way to go, Canada. Canada's got their shit. Canada's amazing. And I hope I'm saying it right. I looked up a pronunciation and that's how they said it, so I think I'm saying it right, but somebody correct me if I'm wrong, please. Nicely. Yes. (laughs) So it has been 14 years since Rachel's murder and it is still unsolved. Oh my gosh. And Angie said that in that many in the town still remember it. And I can't believe that I've never heard of this case. Like I've never heard a podcast cover it or anything because there basically are like no leads and it's just unsolved. And it's just so heartbreaking to like know how little information there is about there about it. And yeah, you know. Probably because it's not being talked about, so there's no heat. Exactly. Rachel Rachel Russell was born in 1979 in Coburg, oh my gosh, Coburg, Ontario, Canada. I can't talk today. My. That's kind of a tongue twister in in your defense. Okay, thank you. (laughs) So I have to admit, I know very little about the geography of Canada. So I kind of looked into the geography a little bit just to get my bearings. And I'm going to share that in case you, dear listener, don't know anything about the geography of Canada. And I blame the American school system because we barely learned American United States (laughs) geography. So, you know. Yeah. (laughs) But I did learn a little bit more while doing this research. So... Coburg is in the province of Ontario, which is on the more eastern side of Canada. And I'm this helped me picture it because I'm American and dumb, but it is above Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, and New York. So it's in like that section of Canada, and it's part of Canada that touches the Great Lakes. Okay. And Coburg is in the southern part of Ontario, not far from the US border. So that's my geography lesson for the day. Thank you. Coburg's population today is still less than 20,000. And in 2007, I believe it was closer to 15,000. So it's not a very big city. And people tended to, you know, know everyone there. People knew each other. People knew what was happening in the town. So that's why one of the reasons it's so shocking that there's so little information. So Rachel Russell grew up in Port Hope, Ontario, which is right next to Coburg. And Rachel had four sisters They describe their upbringing as a normal middle-class family. Rachel's sisters say that she was extremely friendly and lovable, being almost like a chameleon, always meeting new people. No. 
They also said Rachel was adventurous and had a little bit of a wild side. A childhood friend of Rachel's uh, named Jenny Barnes, who met Rachel on their first day of ninth grade at Port Hope High School, remembered a time when the two of them hitchhiked from Port Hope, Ontario, to New York State to see the Woodstock Revival Festival. Wow. Yeah. Um, Remembering this incident, Rachel's sister, Shelly Russell, said that Rachel had left a note at home telling her family where she was. But she had trouble getting back home, so their dad had to actually drive down to the border to pick her up and was not very happy. Oh, yeah, I imagine so. (laughs) Jenny describes Rachel as being, quote, a fierce troublemaker who you couldn't help but love. She said that Rachel really was a force. She said, quote, when she set her mind to something, it was going to happen. It didn't matter how ridiculous it was. So she, you know... Of yeah. course, that's that makes sense. This is reminding me of of uh, Alyssa Turney a little bit for some reason. Yes. I don't know why. Yeah, I kind of yeah, I could see that. So Rachel's family also described her as fearless and lovable. Shelley, her sister, said that Rachel was quote opinionated but very well liked because she was hilarious. <laughs> so you know, she a couple of the sentiments about her was she definitely had an opinion and wasn't afraid to share it, but people loved her. When Rachel was in her mid-20s, her appendix burst, and because of that, doctors finally discovered the source of some stomach pain that Rachel had been experiencing. She had a ton of cancerous cells covering her bowels, and Shelly describes the cancer as a type that seniors normally get, so that's probably why they hadn't been able to identify it, because... What in the world? It wouldn't have been expected. Yeah. So doctors were able to remove parts of her intestines to kind of get rid of some of the cells, but it didn't completely get rid of the cancer. And I couldn't find exactly what her diagnosis was because this wasn't too long before she was murdered. So there's not a ton of information out there on it, but. And it was the 80s. Yeah. So the surgery was hard to recover from. And afterwards, Rachel became addicted to painkillers. Rachel's sister, Cindy Russell, said that her life was happy and fulfilled with her son, but the illness had gotten the best of her. Oh, that's sad. So at 28 years old in 2007, Rachel became a mother and she had split custody of her son with her father. Rachel was living with her parents in Champbelcroft. I probably said that wrong, but she was living with her parents and her parents would have help look after her son while Rachel worked as a dog groomer. And actually, I think I got that wrong. She became a mother four years before that because her son was about four when she was murdered. Oh, okay. Okay. So Rachel was still in a lot of pain from the cancer she was fighting and she was still addicted to Oxycontin after her surgery. Cindy says she wasn't a typical addict though because she did truly have pain. But, you know, those types of addictions are nasty, and if they're not managed correctly by doctors, it can be really dangerous. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a pandemic in our country right now, so. Yeah. Rachel did want and tried to help get help. Like, she really wanted to get help, and she tried to, but it was really difficult because she needed a specific type of drug rehab center since she was still fighting the cancer. You know, she Mm -hmm. couldn't just go to a typical rehab where you just quit everything because she did still need pain management management, help yeah so it was difficult for her to find 
rehab that could help her, and she wasn't ever able to get the help that she needed. Rachel's sisters believe that if she had never gotten sick, she would still be with them today. And not just because of the illness, but because of the the, the cl- issues the with the illness. The lifestyle yeah. that she was, yeah. Yep. So around the time of Rachel's death in late 2007, her sisters said that they were all very close, but they also knew that she hung out around a variety of people. Shelley said, quote, she was such a chameleon. She hung around everybody and anybody from wealthy, wealthy people to the poorest of the poor. She knew a lot of people, end quote. So she also around this time had a tendency to disappear for days at a time, but she always Mm -hmm. came back. On November 12, 2007, a person was looking for beer bottles along the abandoned east-west train tracks in Coburg when they discovered a woman's body. So this happened at 1.30 p.m., and when police got to the train tracks, they determined that the woman had been dead for at least a few hours, if not a few days. Shelley remembers hearing on the news that a woman's body had been found in Coburg, and then she called her mom to see when she had last spoken with Rachel. And her mother said it had been three or four days. And Shelly said immediately she had a gut feeling that this woman was Rachel. That's so sad. I know. The next morning, after still not hearing from Rachel and that woman's body still not being identified by police, Shelly called the police to tell them that she hadn't heard from her sister. And although she wasn't technically missing yet because she would kind of disappear for a few days, she just wanted to give them a description of her and specifically of her tattoos. To see if yeah. it matched. Yeah. So this was about 24 hours after the body had been discovered. And like I said, police had not yet been able to identify it. And after Shelley's description of Rachel's tattoos, police pretty quickly identified the woman who was found as Rachel Russell. Mm. So Shelley said as soon as that night, police were at her doorstep. And she said uh, they were, quote, breaking the news her sister had been murdered. Wow. Yeah. She was, and she probably wasn't thinking that. Right. I would assume, like, maybe more of, like, a overdose type situation. Right. So, throughout the next year, there was a full investigation into Rachel's murder. Police believe that Rachel had been murdered a few weeks prior to the discovery of her body, and her cause of death was determined to be blunt force trauma. Oh, They also believe it's very possible that she had been murdered somewhere else and brought to the train tracks. Okay. So when they found her and they said she could have been dead for a few hours or a few days, they kind of recanted that and said, we think she's been yeah deceased longer. Okay. Yeah, and I think that initial response was like, she's not alive. We can't save her. You know, like, okay. it was like, okay, she's she's clearly been dead for a little while. Yeah. And then once they were able to actually do an autopsy and stuff, they determined it had likely been a few weeks. Okay. So her family knew that it really could have been anything that happened to her. Rachel's friend Jenny said, quote, she could have gotten into an argument as she was known to be opinionated or she could have had trouble over drugs. Yeah. So the area that she was found in was known to be frequented by drug addicts and Rachel's, quote, big mouth could have gotten her into trouble. And that's kind of what her family and friends were thinking. Mm. Police and Rachel's family do believe, though, that the person or people who killed her knew her, especially just with how small the city of Coburg is. Right. So in October 2008, a man was actually arrested and charged with second-degree murder. 
but the charges were withdrawn in April 2009 because there was not a reasonable prospect of convicting him. Oh. So this man, whose name is Wayne Ryman, he has continually maintained his innocence. He was actually in jail for seven months awaiting trial before the charge was withdrawn. And because of that, he ended up losing custody of his daughter, and he says his mother underwent tremendous stress. Wow. So Wayne Ryman has officially been ruled out, and hopefully he truly has nothing to do with it. And I couldn't really find, like, why they thought it was him or anything. There just wasn't a lot of information on it, so. Yeah, that's interesting, though, that they, like, arrested Kept him for seven months, yeah. Yeah. Damn. So the February after Rachel passed away, Rachel's father passed away, leaving her mother a widow. Uh, Now, Rachel's mother lives in Oshawa with her daughter, Cindy, and Rachel's mom doesn't really speak much about the murder or the case, but she is extremely supportive of Cindy and Shelly working to get answers. Uh, So Cindy and Shelly also obviously currently live in Oshawa, and they specifically moved there to be closer to Rachel's son, who is now 18 and living with his father. And her son had actually believed that his mother died of cancer until 2016 Mm. when the family finally explained to him what had happened. That's awful. That's so hard. Yeah. Um, But thankfully, he's really close with Rachel's family and they get to spend a lot of time together. And that's why they moved to Oshawa. So at least um, her son is still getting to see, you know, his, his family or his mom's family. And was he in the custody of his father, I guess, after... Okay. Because yeah. before she passed away, it was a joint custody. Right. 50-50. Yeah. Okay. As of now, the investigation into the death of Rachel Russell remains open, and police are pursuing any investigative leads that come forward. There's also currently a $50,000 reward for any information that leads to an arrest and conviction, and the police continue to ask wow. for the public's assistance with the investigation. Rachel's death is also being reviewed as part of the national inquiry into missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. So Rachel's family is of the Mi'kmaq heritage, and I really hope I'm saying that correctly. I looked up multiple pronunciations, and I found this one in the comment section of a YouTube video where the the video apparently pronounced it wrong. And so hopefully... This is right because one of the a couple of the commenters explained it like this, but I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong, but please correct me. Tell me how to yeah. say it. So the Mi'kmaq are Native American or First Nations people occupying what is today Canada's eastern maritime provinces, along with parts of Maine and Massachusetts in the U.S. So because Rachel's family is of Mi'kmaq heritage, her case was able to be added to this inquiry. Okay. So when it was first added, the hope was that it would bring more resources to her case. And so far, there hasn't been any significant developments with that. But that doesn't mean there never will be. You know, any additional eyes on a case like this can be extremely helpful. Right. Every November, the family gets a call from the police department to inform them that they are still actively working on the investigation into Rachel's murder. 2017 was the 10th anniversary, and that was really the last time I could find any news updates about the case except for one article i'll talk about in a second okay but in 2017 in a northumberland news article about the 10th anniversary shelly said that she truly believes that someone still knows something she said quote i think her friends that group knows 
I think somebody is just scared of who killed her. But then you're dealing with people who have addictions and can't remember one day to the next. That's true. Yeah. So the OPP or the Ontario uh, Provincial, is that how you say that word? I really don't know. But the, the Ontario police, they said that the investigation remains active and it is not a cold case despite happening over a decade ago. So I think that's a little different than the U.S. because the U.S. cases can still be open but cold. Whereas I think in a lot of other countries, if they're cold, it basically means, like, they're closed. Yeah. That was, like, another case we... Was it Uh, Madeline Madeline McCann? Yeah. 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 So it's still open. It's not a cold case. It has been 14 years since Rachel was murdered, and her family just wants closure. They are trying to remain hopeful, but find it difficult now, especially so many years later. You know, I think there was a little bit of a renewed hope in 2017 at the 10th anniversary. They were still very hopeful, but now it's getting harder. In 2020, Shelley told Toronto.com, quote, 13 years later, we have accepted that it is what it is. We're very limited on what we know because it is an ongoing investigation. And the $50,000 reward is still up, so somebody would have spoken by now. So her thoughts are kind of like, this reward has been open for so long. If somebody knew something, they would have stepped forward. They would have come forward. But the OPP do remain hopeful that somebody out there knows something and will come forward. They have said that the reward remains active, and it has resulted in tips from the public in the past. So, you know, I really feel like in this type of case, the more attention it can get, the more likely somebody will remember something, somebody will come forward with yeah. something because it's kind of rare, I feel like, especially in the U.S., but the investigators are still very committed to, and not just committed, right. but are confident that somebody out there knows something. It's just yeah. that there's not a lot of public attention. So, you know, the the person that might know something might just have no clue that they do know something, you know? Yeah, that's true. Rachel's family focuses now on spending time together. As I mentioned, they all live in Oshawa, so they can be near Rachel's son, and they try to spend as much time with him as possible. And he's also very close to his cousins, so Rachel's sister's kids, just as Rachel and her sisters were always close. Anybody with information about this case can call police at 1-88-310-1122, or you can submit anything anonymously through Crime Stoppers. So that would be completely anonymous. So that can be shared by calling 1-800-222-8477. And I'll put all of those numbers in the show notes. I was just going to say, I was just going to ask, and, and I know like since it is an ongoing uh, investigation, but it's so hard for me to believe like there was no DNA found on her body at all. Like, no, I, to find I'm a body and nothing? If it was like, blunt force trauma, they might have, somebody might have just, like, hit her with an object. Yeah. So there might not be DNA, or if there was DNA, you know, like, she might have not even been able to fight back, because sometimes there's true. that type of DNA. Yeah. That's so unfortunate. Yeah. So that is today's case. I really hope that bringing more attention to this case can help, because... You know, as I said, police seem to be really invested in continuing to work on this case. So please, please, please share about it. Help get the word out there. And maybe one day her murderer will be found. Especially if you're in Canada or, you know, in Ontario specifically, like share this case because you guys are going to be the ones that can really get the attention out there, I think. 
100%. So yeah, that's all I have for you guys today. I will post um, some photos of Rachel on our Instagram. Our Instagram is inhuman underscore podcast. You can see those there. Also, be sure you join our Facebook group because we post all of our posts there and chat with you guys about theories and other things. So be sure to head over there. You can find it on Facebook if you search Inhuman Podcast, probably, or Inhuman, a true crime podcast. Again, it's all linked down below. So with that, thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you on Thursday. And until then, keep it human. Bye. Bye.